Hello, and welcome to Standing in the Stream, a podcast for and about creative people. I'm your host, John Lane. I'm back with part two of my conversation with comedian David Huntsberger. You can revisit part one for the full intro, but I just wanted to say again what a unique voice I think David has in stand-up comedy. And if you haven't done so already, I strongly recommend checking out his comedy albums or trying to catch him on tour this summer or checking out the various podcasts that he's been involved with over the, over the years. I think you'll find his work to be highly intellectual, uh, but also self-aware, self-effacing. And uh, a lot of his work also draws on this sort of deep curiosity of science and technology, philosophy, and, and everything in between. In this second part, we chatted about how he's made a career in comedy. We talked a little bit about the history with various creative projects, including his latest film, One-Headed Beast, and his very popular podcast from a few years ago, Professor Blastoff, and of course his current podcast, The Space Cave. Uh, David has a great perspective on the creative life and offers up some wisdom and advice for creatives of all types. And uh, also just a, sort of a side note of kind of an update since we recorded this show uh, in our conversations back and forth after uh, it was done. And even on the, on the day of, we were chatting and uh, he mentioned that the, they were about to celebrate the third year of this monthly variety show that he does in L.A. called The Junk Show. Uh, so if you're in the L.A. area, that's something you definitely want to, if you're a fan of David's uh, work, for sure, you want to check out. Uh, but anyway, after our conversation, he asked if I might be interested to score the music to this year's 16-second uh, story, which they do at the Junk Show. So basically what that is, is a, it's a short story that's told in 16-second in increments by volunteers at the Junk Show. So once a month you know, one person gets up and tells 16 seconds of this ongoing story. And at the end of the year, the audio is then compiled. And then David sends those to different animators who take each of the 12 different segments and, and they animate that 16 second segment. And then at the end, he, he finds a composer or a musician to then score the whole thing and kind of tie it all together. So that's the, the role that I got to play this year. Anyway, it was a ton of fun to do, and I hope that you can check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes on my website, and I'll uh, try to remember to put it in the description of this episode. So here we go. We're going to drop back into our conversation, and we were uh, just talking about his stint with the show that he did on the Sci-Fi Network. This the show that you did on on Sci-Fi uh, is that continuing or what's happening with that? No, it, it got canceled after like five episodes. They initially ordered twelve, which was great. So we were thinking like, hey, great! If nothing else, we'll get to make twelve of these fun episodes. And it wasn't something that I had like ever had in my mind that was like a dream job to like host a clip show. But I I got offered to audition to do it, and I did it, and it was really fun, just writing jokes and being silly, and then I liked the producers, and then they chose me to be uh, the guy, and then I just really liked them, got along well with them, and then you know we started to put this show together. It was a cool experience, but it was the exact opposite of stand-up. In fact, like stand-up never became really more valuable to me than doing that, like where they're telling you where to stand and what to say and kind of how to say it, like, hey, don't 
don't shake your shoulders so much. Don't sway. Don't don't look left to right. You know, you're kind of you're just this wow. vessel. You know, you're almost like this this paid for cardboard cutout that can speak in a certain cadence that they like. And you you find you know for me at least finding like oh boy this is a real uh, moment of like is this worth it is this you know because you you'd almost rather be broke and yet calling all the shots and able to say like well I'm, at least I'm doing exactly what I want to do and I'm the the product that's being put out is something I enjoy um, so that was a little bit of a challenge but then you you get over that pretty quickly because you're like man you know plenty of people have jobs they find challenging for some way or there's so many people right now that would be envious to be in this spot and be doing this exact thing like I just was very appreciative of it I really liked it um and really enjoyed it you know it was a fun thing I think when people have expectations of you or something like that it can be so pretentious or you to take those on like people must think I'm like this indie comedian and I I'm not a sellout and I wouldn't do this and then you quickly go like no one thinks anything of you. No one's really walking around throughout the day going, I hope that guy doesn't sell out. <laughs> Nobody's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've, I completely identify with this idea. <laughs> you know, this. Uh, I had to tell this funny, it's sort of a personal story, but it's really funny. Uh, there, It was years ago, um, and I, I was going through a lot of really personal tragedies you know I was getting going through this divorce I couldn't sell my house like there were all these really horrible things happening in my life and I I went up to um I started uh, doing like a meditation practice and -hmm. I started going to this uh, zen center in Houston and it was wonderful I sort of like found my people you know it was really great and one of the old uh, meditators he'd been doing it for a long long time you know I uh we just sort of got to be you know uh friends and sort of talking about things, this and that. And I was just one time just mentioning to him all these terrible things that were happening to me and this was happening and this was happening. And, and he just turns to me and says, well, John, it sounds like you're figuring out you're not the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and I just died laughing. Cause I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> where, you know, yeah, you're totally right. I'm all in my <laughs> head about this stuff. And it's just like, it doesn't really, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, you're, you're just, you're not the center of the universe. So lighten up, man, you know? And, you know, at that time, it was just exactly what I needed to hear at that moment, you know, to stop taking yourself so goddamn seriously, you know, and just let's move on, you know? Um, And so anyway, it was like, I don't know what made me think of that in your uh, story about that, but I just thought, you know, that's a, that's a good realization to have at some point in your life to just say to yourself, you know, I'm not the center of the universe. Things things are going to happen. People aren't thinking about me all the time. <laughs> not oh, as much. Totally. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back on your life, and we all think we're going to get the opportunity to do that. Like there will be this perfect deathbed. We like, ah, oh, just give me a minute while I think about my entire life. You <laughs> probably that's not really going to be there. And in doing it, you'll probably have some stumbles or some things. You're like, well, oh, maybe I would have changed that, but. It's like there's always going to be something good that comes out of whatever, you know. When I got an email one time from someone like, did I just see you in a Diet Coke commercial or something as if they were like incredulous, like how could you do that? I was like, well, first of all, no, that wasn't me in the commercial. But secondly, why would you be mad at me for sustaining my life and making a little bit of money? Because I don't remember this ultra positive email of like, hey man, thanks for putting out that underground album that you didn't like mass produce and shove into every, you know, ad place I can find, you know, blah, 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 ad stream. 
yeah. you don't get that. You don't get the positive side from that. And and I guess that ties into like what you were saying is just like you're, there's seven billion people, and all of us are pretty convinced our existence is the one we need to pay the most attention to. Right. And, or, or what's happening to me is should be important to everyone. You know that. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. These other people who care. And I think that's probably where fame comes in because people spend a lot of time talking with their agents going, what are people going to think? Like, really nothing. People aren't thinking. I mean, if you're a gigantic movie star, it'll last for a little while. But you can make mistakes along the way. If you just keep trying, you'll you'll probably make some things that'll frustrate people. A bad movie, a bad commercial, a bad appearance on a late night show, whatever it is. You can just keep moving through it, and and people forget it. You know, you'll run into people. Did you hear that thing that Tom Hanks said? And you go, I didn't hear that. And yet, people that know and love Tom Hanks, like, doesn't everyone on the planet know about this? Like, no, we don't know everything that's happening, even about the most ubiquitous among us. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I want to make sort of a pivot here, and uh, we had emailed a little bit before, as I mentioned, and. I mentioned this this whole thing about being completely obsessed and horrified with our political uh, world right now and, uh, you know, just insane consumption of news since the election, like so many people I know. And, you know, we don't have to rant and rave about what's happening. I think we're, we're probably uh, on the same page about this. But but I feel like it's definitely in the air. And, and there's this sort of like, there's the sort of elephant in the room and the thing I would want to know from you is, you know, has your work changed because of this environment that we find ourselves in? Or do you think it will? Or where are you at with, with that? Yeah, I wonder about that because you can certainly seem callous if, you know, you like Da Vinci devised, you know, a lot of his inventions were for the good of Florence and he wanted to protect them and you know so there were military designs and he would go talk to you know leaders and say look i made this thing and and yet managed to you know we know the mona lisa and a million other works of his that we feel like oh well that's that's what he's synonymous with is the art like the creativity so i think you can combine both and you can do them both in a very effective and positive way but like I would say half of the stand-up specials that came out last year had either a title that was about the state of American politics and or just at least a significant chunk dedicated to the current president. And I don't know that that's great, that we're all, it, it becomes like this black hole that sucks in everything. And so we're fortunate to be able to look outside of it and go, yeah, there's big stuff out here. There's a whole bunch of stuff to look at and think about, but are we being a little bit callous by not looking and focusing only down in the center in this dark pit and then you could really say, well, you could do that with everything. There's sex, child sex trafficking. There is starvation. There's still a horrible situation in Darfur. There's, you know, civil war and unrest in Syria and on and on. You can just go into like the planet at large is unraveling at the seams if you look at it that way. So are you going to be just kind of like a beatnik type, kind of a hippie-ish sort of, hey, man, just enjoy what's good. And, you know, people would say, well, that's privilege. Like, why would you just, you know overtly express your privilege that way and you go that that's fair too but like i need to keep my mental health so either i can dedicate my time and or resources to foundations and situations that are making a difference and then i can focus my thoughts on pleasant things and the way i'd like my existence to 
unfold for me, or I can just get consumed with it and feel like it's a solvable problem and dig my hands into it and spend every day tweeting and marching and protesting and fighting, and maybe you'll win. But I, I think everyone is finding a way to do a bit of both of that, a bit of a bit of all of that, really. Like, ugh, I'm aware, I'm alert, I'm focused, I'm f- trying to fight the good fight, but also I really want to enjoy these muffins, or I really want to go, like enjoy this band, or just whatever it is. You know, I think I think that's kind of what everyone's doing. And so, I don't know how much stand up I'll keep doing after this current bit of material I have now. That I'm gonna I'm gonna do a tour, and I'm gonna do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I'd like to keep doing it after that. It's purely just about kind of um, existence and multiple worlds and all those sorts of things. And I, I like it. And I don't, I don't feel um, like I'm ignoring anything by going out and doing material. That's not, I just don't think people follow me like a leader, like man, Huntsberger is going to have the right thing to say about this. And then we'll beat this guy. Then we'll, then we'll figure out those ties to Russia. I just don't think people think that. Yeah. Well, that's a great answer. Th- thank you. I-, I appreciate your perspective on that. You know, I, th- I f- just feel like it's, <clears throat> you know, I had this idea of doing a series of the podcast sort of uh, with with artists responding to the this question of sort of how will your work change or what what is, you know, what's the artist role, the sort of really heavy handed questions, you know, deep, hard, difficult questions. But but I think rather uh, I'm just going to keep doing this and and maybe just acknowledge that this is a thing that we're all sort of grappling with, regardless of what, you know, uh, regardless of whether it ends up in your work in some way or not, it, it's what's happening. You know what I mean? And to, to acknowledge it in some way and to, to talk about it with the, the larger community feels, feels good to me and feels important. Uh, and I have this podcast and I can do that, you know? So it seems like a good, seems like a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that's helpful to me and you and hopefully everybody is just communicating about it and and, and it, with people from both sides, you know, you're inevitably going to find someone that you care about that doesn't align 100% with you. It doesn't mean they have to be diametrically opposed, but like find that most people are just trying to like enjoy their lives and some people doing so say at the uh, the oppression of other people, which is a really tough pill to swallow. Like, you know, the people that, hey, that's what's got to happen. You got to break a few eggs to make it. And that's that's pretty hard to hear people that, you know, say things like that and go like, oh, well, yeah. I, I can't even get through to this person. I don't know how I'm going to travel to a comedy club full of strangers and switch a, switch their opinions. I mean, we're we're a competition-based world, particularly the United States. We We suffer through our horrible sports teams when they have atrocious things tied to them and we gotta support the team in spite of rape allegations and fraud and drug abuse and whatever else yeah i gotta support that team and and now that's happened more than anything like with virtually everything you know you took that side i'm on this side and i won't back down it's very little like compromise and sort of like all right you made a rational point i changed my mind do you think that has anything to do with the way that we've sort of set up these silos for ourselves like you know, I think of like social media where you can pretty much tune out any of the voices that you don't want to hear, you know, and I wondered, mm-hmm. you know, how sort of this would play out, you know, since the election, you know, I'd sort of got away from Facebook because I had people just were saying things and I just didn't want to hear it. So I just didn't get on there, you know, um, yeah. but then like Twitter is a different thing where you can sort of uh, block, you know, you can just follow the people that you, you know, are sort of 
um, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Facebook is like people that I know, more people that I know, and Twitter are people that I don't know. <laughs> and so, I, so I've gravitated more to Twitter because then I can sort. Of, I don't know those people, and uh, you know, mo- most, if not all, of the people that I would follow on Twitter, we sort of have the same feeling about politics. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a good, good thing or not. I don't know, man. Like I, you know, I, I, I live in a neighborhood that's very integrated, and you know, it's, I, I really like it. You know, there are things about. Um, uh, very low income people, which we live, it's weird. We live across the street from people that bought into this neighborhood um, with the hopes that it's going to skyrocket in value. So they like own a Maserati and <laughs> like a seven series BMW. And then right across the way are just people just, you know, pushing cans and a you know, shopping cart full of recyclables and just barely trying to get by. And I think the thing with, you know, and talking with some of them and stuff and, and just seeing kind of some of the raids and things like that and being like, how on earth can people stomach this? And if, and more than that, like support it. And so, yeah, when you come across a treat or a tweet where someone's like, get them out, you just feel, I don't want to see that in my life. I don't want to see someone celebrating a lack of liberty. You know, I don't want to see like liberation is just the, like the greatest word in human history. I think, you know, like you should you should be free to exist and, and be on this little spinning sphere with the same opportunities as everybody. And I get some of the legalities as far as like um, burdens on taxes and society and stuff, et cetera. But just that, like, I think with the raids and stuff like the 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 common kind of mindset is you don't see people just devastated when they're getting taken away it's more so like i appreciated every moment i had and i knew this day could potentially come so i don't re- look back with regret like i lived it to the fullest of my potential and obviously you're not hearing a lot of quotes like that and i don't even know if people are thinking that but there have to be some people that are thinking that if you lived every day in fear of like i'm gonna get deported i'm gonna get thrown out of here i gotta make the most of this whether that's just love my kids the most that i can or uh, you know, try to enjoy my job or make as much money or just take in the fresh air and just be able to walk down the street without the fear of whoever, you know, militias and cartels and gorillas just zooming by with, with you know, guns hanging out of a, a military vehicle. So I, tr- I try to, like, apply that to myself, I suppose. Like, man, this, this is your existence. You can get caught up in inequalities and injustices and, and be just racked with anger all the time or you can pay attention to that and just try to enjoy it as much as you can. Try to make it better for people on a one-on-one, per, you know, hold the door open for people, say hi to people, wave to them. Try to just enjoy your life and be outside and do those things. It's difficult, but I, I do think, like, all those things go together with what you're just saying about, like, Twitter and Facebook and what you're surrounding yourself with. Like, you can just drag yourself into this abyss or you can kind of create your own atmosphere that is not, uh, you know, like this completely removed and totally ignorant of what's happening. Yeah, great. I, I want to talk about one more thing uh, while I've got you and before we close out, and, and that is podcasting. It's this sort of a DIY uh, culture of podcasting and something that you've uh, taken part in for a long time now. And, um, you know, I, I sort of talked about that DIY aesthetic with what I have done in the sort of punk rock movement, and I sort of figured that wondered if stand-up comedy was also along that lines but um this also this sort of diy thing is also really celebrated in podcasting so i'd Mm -hmm. I'd just be curious to know about uh, you know if if you want to talk about it about professor blastoff and how that got started and then 
if you want, or if you want to talk about your podcast that you do now, the Space Cave, uh, just anything along the topic of podcasting. Sure. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a roommate when I uh, used to live in San Diego, and he was really big into indie rock music. Which you know, in the late '90s, early 2000s, this was like '03ish, I think. Um, it was kind of starting to gain a similar sort of um, reputation as you know '60s and '70s punk kind of like man you make your own zines you print your own you know show bills and you kind of record things on your own you distribute them by hand and that you don't let the corporate fad cats get in the middle of it and i like that i like you know yeah you don't want someone being like hey gang um we're happy to finance this you guys are great but if you wouldn't mind putting a christmas song on the album that would just the boy would like <laughs> <laughs> and that always to me was like paramount just like i'm doing what i want how i want you know i was with stand-up records for um three albums and i love dan i love uh the whole record label thing but at times like his art guy would fight with me and i'd be like dude this is my thing i don't want you choosing how it looks i drew it i wrote it like that and you know oh we want to change the font on the title or just little things like that where i'd be like i do not like this and you know sometimes that can be helpful it can be like positive and it can it can add to the thing but i just didn't feel that way most of the time while that was happening and so my indie rock friend at one point was like yeah yeah like you you seem to like adhere to that and then like all of those indie bands just started all selling their songs and licensing them to commercials and that became like the route you took you start a little indie band get signed by an obscure label that's really a subsidiary of a giant record company and then they they get to have these fake showcases at south by southwest like it's our unsigned group you know yeah but they're all with you guys it was just all fake it was all manufactured and um and that kind of happens with stand-up as well you know there'd be like this tour of the the so-and-sos or whatever and then you'd be like but those people are all repped by like the biggest agents and managers in comedy in the world this is not some ragtag group heading out there and that's happening more now where people just like hey i you know a lot of times it's to the detriment of their ability like i've been doing open mic six months i'm going on tour and <laughs> so like that could be i think there is something to having gatekeepers and having people tell you like you, now you're ready and that doesn't exist as much anymore but that it's kind of the price you pay with um anything that's diy or just like we're doing it no one can stop us like the technology yeah. exists like we can make a television show we can have our youtube channel have a 30 minute bit of content every week and like chances are it'll be hideous but you never know like you know, <laughs> it could be good and with podcasting it just kind of was that same thing where we all just like the idea of man like, pitching television shows is really tough and you, you know everyone's really love you, really would love to work with you again. Big fans, really big fans, um, but not this project, you know, and you hear stuff like that a lot where you're like, and then yeah. you see a very similar thing get made a year later and you're like, it becomes very successful and you go, ah, those idiots, why, why, why didn't they buy our thing? Why don't they make our thing? And then I think you just realize like, all the, all the ideas are out there. Very few are like extraordinarily original and, um, podcasting just became a thing of like if nothing else we can control what we make and put out there and and that sounds fun no one's going to give us any notes no one's going to say like hey could you scale this back or make this segment here do this you know like we and then we started doing some ad reads toward the end and we we were pretty stubborn with that because they would always want us to like can you say it this way and be like nah we don't have that in us <laughs> they always want you to be really like bubbly and and now you can get it for 10 percent off like <laughs> we don't say, ah, no we're not doing that <laughs> well i always thought professor blastoff was it was like the 
like you guys were like the Beatles or something. You you each had like your own sort of angle on things and your very distinct, you know, sort of personalities. But the the three of you together just really was magic, you know, and that was a, such a fun a run there with that podcast. So how did that get started? How did you guys figure that out together? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, we did really love it. I mean, even when there'd be times we were maybe a little stressed or, or working around, you know, a schedule where it was a little taxing on one of the three, you know, two minutes into talking, we'd all be laughing really hard and be like, oh yeah, this is fun. Like if nothing else, it's really always fun to be in this room doing it. You know, it, it's tough to keep on the rails. It's very much like a band. And I like when people now, like when I talk about the space cave, I'm like, they go, what is it? I go, it's exactly what you think my solo project. <laughs> 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 That's true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, it's just me just chatting. There, there's there's <laughs> all those three parts, you know, I mean, it is like they add the, the instruments, so to speak, and like fill up the, yeah. the room. Um, and it just started from, you know, I was... I think I had just done humanitis or something like that. And um, that was like, and then, so the second half of that CD is much more sciencey, philosophical kind of God talk and you yeah. know, things like that. wondering about the universe. And, uh, and then I was just doing more and more material that way that kind of bled into the second CD. And I, you know, I was doing that material in this, in this bar in um, Sun Valley, Idaho. And Tig was the headliner. I was working with her and uh, we were just chatting after the show, watching this, um, <laughs> we were watching this country music cover band that was asking for requests. We were the only people offering up requests. And they played none of our songs, and so we would just cackle and cackle at that. They go, "All right, anyone with any requests?" We'd raise our hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you play? He stopped loving her today. Anyway, all right, we'll play some George Strait. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just cracking up at that and then at some point like she we started talking about each other's comedy and stuff and um i just was like yeah i, I just like talking about that stuff and I, I feel like everyone likes talking about it uh but it's you know it sometimes is looked at as a little too like hoity i hate when people say hoity-toity probably just fine with the hoity uh <laughs> but it uh i don't know it just feels like when you got anybody you know, whether you're on a road trip or around a campfire, just hanging out in your house. You start talking yeah. about that stuff and people go, yeah, I've always thought of this. Or it's not reserved to scholars or anything. Anyone can think and talk about that stuff. And Tig was like, yeah, you know, Kyle's real into that too. And then I was like, yeah, I feel like that would make, I always thought like that would be a good podcast. And my original idea was to, t I wanted to dress up in like animal costumes and, with the, with my guest who would be like a scientist and just chat about those things and then I, my thinking was like the levity of the costumes would be enough for a visual thing where people would be like oh this is so silly like people are having these kind of like elevated chats but they're not taking it seriously at all like you know they're wearing these costumes and Tig was like yeah, yeah. you know I Earwolf has wanted me to do a podcast for a while but I, I haven't really had an idea that I liked but I, I think I think that might be a good one she sent Kyle a text and he was like yeah yeah I'm into that and so then that's really where it was born. And then we did like several practice episodes. And I look back now, I forget like how much time we spent really coming up with the name and sort of the structure. And like a year or two ago, Tig sent me these notes that we'd been taking at our sort of like weekly meetings where we would play uh, basketball in Kyle's house and knockout ball and stuff like that. And I, I was just kind of laughing like, oh yeah, I forget. Like it just, the, the whole tone of the show felt so much like we had just shown up, turned on recording 
equipment and just let it go. But we really did in the beginning have like, oh, well, it should be this and this whole like mythos about it should be there. And so then that that's kind of how it came to be. And then it it almost had like the appropriate run where like by the end it was not that it was fraying at the edges, but it was just so silly and so weird. It was very different from what it started as. And so maybe that's kind of like Beatlesy as well, where that, you know, they kind of went, you know, we, we made our stuff. I don't know if we have yeah. more to make. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great analogy. And I, I mean, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose there are other podcasts that try to do similar things, but you guys really, there was something magical about that, uh, time and those people. And then with, with Tig's whole uh, cancer thing happening sort of midway through, and it was just so fascinating, the whole, how the whole thing just sort of worked. And uh, anyway, it's definitely one of my favorite uh, podcasts of all time. And uh, so thank you for, for doing that for, I think I can say that for all of the, the fans out there, but uh, I really appreciated it. And, you know, so many little catchphrases that made their way into my life <laughs> because of that <laughs> show, you know, so it's, it's fun. Yeah. To, to I was happy to do it, man. It was fun. And the strange thing that's happened now is like, they put it behind that paywall and it was free for so long. And then it was free for like a year and a half after the show was ended or had ended. Um, and I think by nature of it being a free thing and hey, hey, you guys are expected to make this thing constantly with very little revenue because it matters greatly to my life. It, it's There's some level of like exchange there that is bizarre to me of of sort of like, hey, this it's almost better if a podcast doesn't matter to people because then like the trade-off is equally fair. Like, Oh, you've made this. I will listen to it because it is free, but this is not a critical part of my life. But then it starts to become a critical part of people's lives. And then now it has value. So they try to monetize it and people go, Hey, Hey, you can't monetize. It's so difficult to create anything in the world of value. And it's just asinine to me to think that like a giant podcasting network would be like, oh, you can have it. I know it has great value to you, but you can have it. It, uh, I I felt like they should have one heads up to us when they were going to do that. We could have gotten the word out to the listeners like, hey, get them while you can. They're going to go behind this paywall. But I was also kind of baffled that people didn't um, didn't kind of predict that one coming. It's fascinating. This whole I think, you know, podcasting is still sort of like the Wild West, too, though. I mean you know, it's not really regulated in any way. It's people are monetizing their podcasts, you know, in, in different ways doing ads. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's just not a, people don't really know how to, how to deal with it yet. I don't know how long it's going to be before it's, you know, I mean, I, I can suppose now like all the major network, like CNN, you know, I listen to CNN podcast now. So it seems like it's becoming, a bigger and bigger thing all the time, but there's still like shows like mine, which is very idiosyncratic and is, you know, a pretty specific niche kind of thing. And I don't have any ads. I mean, I'm not monetizing. This isn't for money or anything like that. It's just for my own, uh, you know, interest. And, and there are people that are interested in listening, but it's, it's never going to be a big money maker, you know? So I don't know that if one sets out for a podcast to, to, to make money, I don't know that that could be successful yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, I, I, if anything, like it's, it's almost this stance against that in a weird way Yeah. of like, yeah. you know, I, my new one, I have a Patreon option, which I'm, I'm warming to because I think you're not bilking people out of money. It's like, Hey, if you, if you want to support the show and just contribute a little bit, you will get extra content. So on the front end, I'm sure it seems to people listening like, well, 
why isn't why don't I also get that bonus content? Like you're still going to get the exact same amount you would have prior. So so nothing is taken away. And that makes more sense to me than like I never understood why, you know, people we'd compl- we'd almost apologize like, "Hey, sorry you have to listen to ads for like stamps.com and stuff like that." And they'd go, "Oh, it's fine. Glad you guys are getting a little money." But I'd feel like, "Yeah, but doesn't advertising always win?" I mean, listen to FM radio now. There's no way it started that way where 50% of the time is commercials and the other 50 is the same eight songs over and over. It's yeah. so terrible. And to think that podcasting could turn into that, like, welcome back, folks. So, yeah, stamps.com. It's, you know, like, that's horrible to think about. And so I like it being like the stands against that. Like, hey, I'll take time out of my day and my life to make this thing because I'm hopefully getting something out of it too. I mean, I would like to think that in what you're doing just right now, like we're just having a chat. This is enjoyable. Right. And that's what yep. I get out of my mind. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm talking with rocket scientists. This is insane. I, you know, I like doing that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your this new podcast, The Space Cave. So one of the things that I'm sort of curious about, and I've listened to a bunch of the episodes, but uh, you always have these guests on that are like rocket scientists, like you mentioned, or scientists or some uh, very, very, you know, specific uh, field. How are you finding them to be to be on the show? Well, in a simple word, branding. I uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I think like when you put out, um, you know, if you're a drummer in a certain type of band for you know 15 years or something like that, people when they need a drummer go, oh hey, have you checked in with um, Jamie? Yeah, she's she's good. She's the one to to get. You know, she, that's the type of music she plays. You play in a rock and roll thing? Yeah, she's the one. And so I think like then the people go, oh, she branded herself as a rock and roll drummer. Like, no, she's just a rock and roll drummer. And that's what she does. And so I think by like having so many CDs out um, that are, you know, relatively fond of and or familiar or adjacent to science type things, then doing Professor Blastoff for so long. And then um, even just like comics and things I've drawn over the years, you just kind of, you kind of start swirling in the same waters as people that go, oh, hey, my friend would be good for that. And you go, oh, cool. And then they have a friend and then you run into someone else and it just populates itself that way, which I really like. Ooh. So very little of it. And that was a, a huge concern when we started Professor Blastoff. Like, are we going to have to like go walk around college campuses? How in the hell are we going to get like professor types to be on here? And we really struggled. A big goal of ours initially was to get a lot more like priests and, um, theologists and things like that but um oh wow it it ended up just we just relied on laziness and people would email us and be like oh yeah sure come on in (laughs) so to actually go out there and scout it out it's it's a little too much work you know to be reaching out to people all the time but i do like it but yeah it's much easier if people if you just mention it on the show hey if you think you'd be good give me a call and then when people do that great or you run into a friend of a friend at a party and say hey would you want to come in those are those are the by far the most natural, and usually you get a little gauge of them, and you can kind of, you know, get a sense like this will be a fun interview. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, um, we should we should wrap up here. Uh, I always like to close my podcast with the a simple question, uh, but it doesn't always have a simple answer. But the question is, how does one live and sustain a creative life? Well, yeah, that I could go on and on about that. I would imagine. This is one of those Edward Hopper things for you where you probably have many, many thoughts on this. And and it would be a good segment of your show if you just shared your um, ideologies on that, even just like once every 10 episodes or something. Because I bet it it changes from time to time. And I would always say to people, like, if you really venture out into the arts, you have to kind of initially do it with this notion that, like, 
art may, if you say you'll do it just for the love of it and not for the money, like art may hold you to that. You may end up making no money and then it becomes this scramble of, you know, living kind of hand to mouth and going where you, where you can, when you can to get whatever you can. And, uh, you're challenged with your ideals from time to time and you're challenged financially and you're missing out on opportunities and not just like career opportunities, but like, Oh, all of your friends are taking a trip to wherever and you can't afford it. Uh, there's a wedding and you can't make it to that there. You, you want to have a child, but you can't afford it. All that sort of crap. Um, and then you have to deal with like, uh, the varying levels of success. Hey, I saw you on TV. Oh, wow. You're working here now. Oh man. You're, you're, I saw that you're whatever made it into this list or you're in compilation. Oh dude, I heard you had to go work for blah, blah, blah. It's just constantly for, for some people and my own existence in it has probably been more similar to that than just like, Oh, yep. I got put on a track, been successful ever since. But I think it just comes down in, in like a short answer. I think it just comes down to, do you want to have your life defined by conventional success? And yep, I got that house in the suburbs. I got a boat, got really sweet family photos, got a cool Christmas card we send out every year. And when I retire, I'm going to get a sweet watch and people say some nice things about me. And I may just tuck away in the back of my head this curiosity as to whether or not I ever could have had this other life. So then if you go pursue that other life you'll be forced with it every day potentially going like oh god did i make a mistake is this the right life what am i doing maybe i should just be in the suburbs Uh, but i think the more stuff you make and the more experiences you get to have whether that's traveling or people responding to the work you make it just reemphasizes it more and more that like yeah yeah it's worth it to stay the course everyone's journey is different um i've run out of things to say fantastic thank you david thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it Yeah, thanks, John. This was fun. And good luck um, with the percussion career. What I listened to, I thought (laughs) was phenomenal. Well, thank you so much, and good luck with all of your projects as well. And that concludes part two of my conversation with David Huntsberger here on Standing in the Stream, Conversations with Creatives. Again, I'm your host, John Lane. I would invite you to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, through iTunes. You can also find the show on Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at that John Lane. You can find the show links and show notes on my website, john-lane.com. As always, thanks to Danny Clay for our theme music. You can find him online at dclaymusic.com. I'll be back next time for more conversations with creatives. Thanks for listening. Got it. Great. (laughs) Good. Good. Okay. Here we go.